Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. Now, this episode is a little bit different. The last four albums that you've heard on Track by Track have been albums we've both brought to the table. This time, Will, this was your choice. Can you tell us a bit about this album? Yes, so this is an album that was um, massive for me during my formative years, in my late teens. Um, And it was something that I think... It's been really interesting revisiting it, actually, because it's made me reflect on, do I love this album because it's a great album, or do I love it for the nostalgia factor, and that it makes reminds me of being 18, 19 again? Or a bit older? Well, let's we'll go into the album, and I think that will it, it will come out. Super. Um, so yeah, this is an album that I hadn't listened to in full previously at all. My memories of garbage are. I don't think we've mentioned it's garbage yet, actually. So that's it is garbage. Version two point is the album. I knew very little of garbage. I think they were around the time when girl power was huge, or particularly this album was. And I seem to remember for a birthday receiving a. A double cassette compilation called The Best of Girl Power or something like that. I think the Spice Girls were supposed to have curated it and Garbage featuring on there and that was kind of my introduction to them. But I was a big fan of a certain film theme song they recorded that I'll perhaps go into a little bit more detail later. Uh, and if you've been listening to the previous four weeks we do have um, further listening at the end and that might be one of your choices or your choice. I Who hate knows? for that to be a spoiler. So, just to give you a quick rundown on where we are with Garbage. So, Garbage, alternative pop, rock, punk band, formed in 1993, half American, half Scottish, um, massive, iconic lead singer in Shirley Manson, um, with also Duke Erickson, Steve Marker, and Butch Vig, other members, um, 17 million album sales worldwide. Um, it's pretty good, that's commendable Those sorts of stats, I could just be reading it straight off of Wikipedia I'm sure you're not uh, But of course I'm not Not a reliable source um, No, it can be famously unreliable mm. um, So version 2.0 was Garbage's second album um, They had a huge hit with their first album Double platinum album um, Garbage, self-titled um, And you must remember Stupid Girl Of course I do, yeah Only Happy When It Rains Two huge songs Um back from that era um, version 2.0 came along in 1998 uh, and was huge as well um, and probably was when they were at their peak yeah um, so. they're still around now they're still going uh, Strange Little Birds came out a couple of years ago uh, still touring as well but for me this was peak garbage um, and 1998 um, we've talked together before about that 97, 98 period for pop music being fantastic music. Yeah, definitely. The the, the peak, I would say, of... I was going to say British pop music, and we've got the Scottish... Uh, not influence, but impact there. So, um, And of course, yeah, so the album turned 20. It's version 20 now, uh, early this year. And the band have recently celebrated, as you said, the touring, and I think they were playing the album in full. And I think this podcast will probably be out after, but I'm very excited. They're going to be uh, in London doing um, a gig uh, just around the corner from here, Brixton Academy. They're going to be performing the album in full 
to celebrate its 20th anniversary. And that's a very exciting prospect. What a way to celebrate. Um, and that's just a couple of weeks away, actually. So uh, Perhaps we could pop up on stage in between each track and have a little chat about it. And do it live. Wouldn't that be a thing? Well, we dive in then. And let's kick off with track one, Temptation Waits. So Dan, as a as a as less of a less of a fan coming into this first track of the album, what immediately jumps out at you? I think when you look at the outsiding, when you look at Garbage being this band, this uh, female-fronted band, and one of the members, Butch Vig, uh, famously producing for bands like Nirvana, there might be this, this expectation that they're a very heavy, sort of more metal, more punk band, and actually there's a lot of electronics going in there, which is obviously what draws what I imagine drew you to the album um, but yeah I'm, I was pleasantly surprised when, I, when you suggested this and you know I, I was willing to have my mind opened but listening to it I was pleasantly surprised with this opening track I think actually it's quite blondy sounding and weirdly some of Shirley Manson's vocals on this sound like Debbie Harris do today you know very she's got a very low range there is a kind of rock disco element to it there and I think um, from what you were referencing about kind of what I love about the sound I think the synth bass that they use through many tracks on this album um, and you might almost say typifies the kind of early garbage sound um, it's very apparent from this album and I think it's something you'll from this first track in fact Um, I also think Temptation Waits um, the song references addiction being drawn towards somebody but I think also it's a nice enticement into the re- into the album as well. Definitely, yeah. I mean, if this is version 2.0, I can't wait to hear version 3.0. Oh, you had that one prepared. You had that line prepared <laughs> on a post-it note. So let's move on to track two, um, which I think you might be familiar with. Absolutely right. Um, very aware of that song. I think it's kind of probably one of the most recognisable songs of the year, maybe even. Um, of 1998, I think so. And I can definitely, when I was listening to that, one of many kind of pangs of nostalgia that washed over me was I can vividly remember them on Top of the Pops performing this song, I think, back on a Thursday night, before it even was on a Friday night. Wow. That was some time ago now. When Top of the Pops was well, actually 20 years a thing. ago, yeah, exactly. Um, I think this is uh, a nice contrast to the opening track as well. It's a little bit more of their, their heavier, edgier side. Um, and it's weird when you read about the band and their influences, they talk about uh, actually not being so influenced by punk, but more, I guess, more melodic bands, maybe might be the right word for it. And something I really hear in that song is R.E.M., I think particularly with the uh, with the chorus, uh, which kind of switches the the style of the track a little bit, doesn't it? It's a bit more laid back than the the rest. Um, it's not sorry, 
Uh, I don't mean the chorus theme. I mean the kind of the it's almost two parts of the chorus, aren't mm. there? That that second part. And I think what I love about this song is that you would probably use the word juxtaposition of the kind of meandering verse that kind of crashes in to that oh so familiar chorus. And I think if I think back to the time when this was released, you know, this song was everywhere. Because you'd hear it on the radio, it'd be on the TV, TV shows itself would would use it and soundtrack it, um, and it's almost like an iconic song from the '90s. Now, if you look at those playlists on Spotify or Apple Music, it's kind of in there when you look back on the indie pop music of the '90s. Definitely, I'm sure in your local Tesco you can pick up uh, now. That's what I call female fronted pop rock 90s compilation and this song would probably be definitely a good be on compilation there. actually yeah a bit of Hepburn maybe Hepburn or um Republica Republica which actually I have to say I was going to mention it later but um Republica obviously bit of a one hit wonder would we say no not at all okay let me put it this way are we going to feature Republica on track by track no <laughs> <laughs> um actually I they they were one of the bands that came, sprung to mind that kind of nostalgia thing and um, yeah on this next track actually we think it was one that I think sounds particularly republic like uh, and this is my favourite not just my favourite track on the album this is my favourite garbage track played a brief excerpt from that track but it's got a lovely scratch record scratch end to that track which is a lovely uh, I guess the immediacy of the track is you quickly in and then out at the end without any kind of fade out or outro um, I love this song it's one of my favorite songs ever it reminds me of growing up um, and I remember going to university and just this was like a major anthem for my kind of late teens and and journey into my early 20s. And I guess since that time you have grown up. Well, that was 20 years ago. Yeah, which is a really strange feeling to think this song is 20 years ago and I was a lot younger back then. But still haven't really grown up. It's, I think, like I said, this, was, this song was huge. And it was, you know, it was on, it was on Radio One, it was on the TV. It was like when music channels were just coming up, like the Box and MTV. It was all over that. Um, and this does really date it. Just reading here, it was a listed on Radio One, XFM, Atlantic Two Five Two. Do you remember Atlantic Two Five Two? Don't even remember it now. Didn't you remember it? No. Was it local? I mean, <laughs> no, it was a medium wave or long wave radio station. So it wasn't oh. FM, but they would play really good pop, indie, um, rock music. Are they on very cool station? Are they on DAB? Well, if they were around now, they'd be on DAB. Oh, um, but I think the, the the sort of synth, synth bass is, is back there again. But I just love the attitude to this and. I think Shirley said it was all about um, sometimes the forces of the world hold us back for a while, but not forever. 
And even though you've sussed out your smart and you've worked it all out, you haven't even got the remotest inkling of what it's all about and you can never hope to. I think what's evident in this song is I mentioned on the previous track about how their influences aren't as obvious as you might think bands like R.E.M. Um, but with this one, you can really hear they talked about at the time of recording being really influenced uh, on the tour of the previous album by bands like Chemical Brothers. And I think you can hear that a lot in this one. You could quite easily imagine Chemical Brothers kind of producing it or remixing it or, or adding something to this. Um, and a couple of other little uh, little tidbits of information. This song featured on the Big Daddy soundtrack. Oh, that brilliant film that starring... Classic. Who was in that film? Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Um, I don't recall the song in the film, but then again, I've seen it once. And also this song, as well as I think a Paranoid and Push It, which is the lead single from the first single from the album, all peaked at number nine on the UK charts. So top ten group, but not quite getting there. This was a number one album though, wasn't it? It was a number one album, yeah. Uh, So we're on to track four now. And it's that point in the album where the pace changes slightly after a couple of real belters. Um, Medication, a little bit more wistful, but with a real edge to it. Yeah, it's nice to see, it's nice to hear that different sound to them. It's not, as I say, as a casual listener, I knew about this, I knew about Stupid Girl, I knew about a few of the bits. Um, but I'd never heard this side of the band before, so nice to hear. If, if I'm being completely honest, it's not my favourite sound of theirs. How about you? Um, same, actually. I think I'm more at home with Garbage when they're absolutely going for it. Um, but this is very beautiful in its own way. Um but I'd really like to move on quickly because the next track um, is is great. very special indeed um did you like that one i did like that one yeah i like it's sort of um obviously we had that slower moment before and it doesn't quite it, it would feel weird if it went straight back into sort of 100 miles per hour um like the first three tracks so it's a nice kind of merge into maybe more uh harder faster things to come um yeah i thought it was a nice sort of mid-tempo track i particularly like the story about them using part of the pretenders line um from a little snippet from Talk of the Town and how Shirley Manson actually got in touch with Chrissy Hand directly to see about using it and before sort of legal arrangements could be made, Chrissy Hind had, had got in touch with uh, whoever the powers were that beat to say, yeah, you know, garbage using this and it's all fine by me. And of course a huge time for, for girl power as mentioned earlier. Do you think Shirley Manson would have liked to have been associated with the girl power movement of the late 90s? It's a good question. I think because they are such, um, you know, you can put them in in the punk category or the rock category or something like that, but it is very 
it's a very pop take on it, isn't it? So probably to be sort of put together with acts like Spice Girls. I mean, there are people argue that Spice Girls were as much part of the Britpop movement as Oasis. And oh I, yeah, there's nothing to say that Britpop is just indie guitar-driven pop music, is it? It's mm. British pop music in, 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 in essence. And I think with that in mind, that they're a huge part of the the music of the 90s and they were a, a pioneering force to reckon with. So probably I'd like to think that, again, in the, in the spirit of sisterhood and surely girl power was all about girls supporting each other, supporting that message, so why not? I mean, probably the, the three lads in the band were kind of felt, feeling a little bit left out if that was going on. I do love, um, it's probably from about just uh, just past the minute mark in this track, just from when she says, do you have an opinion, a mind of your own, I thought you were special, and then it kind of reaches that real crescendo. Yeah. That's, musically, that's just kind of a wonderful high point there. One of those tracks where the chorus just really lifts it. Mm. And there's a couple of nice little stop-start bits as well where it's uh, where all, all the music comes to a very sudden halt. So let's get it going again uh, with track number six. Song. Yeah, it's very, um, it's very different. And talking about those influences that they'd heard on the road before, I think the Prodigy is probably something that would be uh, that, that certainly influenced that track. Here's a question for you: If if that was the first garbage song you heard, would you have been inclined to listen to more? Do you think? I don't think I would actually. Hmm. Um, every time I look at the track listing on this album and I see this song hammering in my head, I keep thinking about that song. Um, Hammer to the Heart. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I did the same thing. Do you remember the one? The Tampera yeah, featuring The not Mayer. so successful follow-up to that other song they did that was big uh, in the 90s. What was it called? Move, no Move something? Um, and then they had also... Move, it, feet, uh, feel move it. it. Feel it. And then, of course, If You Buy This Record, Your Life Will Be Better, which was... In fact, that was the second track, wasn't it? Yeah. Hammer to the Heart was the third track. Did they have an album? Can we... Can no. We oh. Uh, I don't know how we managed to link garbage to that, but um, um, track seven now is um, this one. Push It There, which was the lead single from uh, from version 2.0. So that was kind of the first sign of things to come from this album. Do you remember hearing that song first? It was quite... Uh, I think when you listen to everything else that's around in the charts at that time, I mean, it certainly draws your interest in. It's very immediate. It's very full-on. Um, and the video, I remember, was fantastic. No, I don't actually remember that video. I'll have to, I'll have to give it a look. I think something else that we've not really touched on yet is that the the entire album, including this track, was self-produced by the band, which is kind of quite a bold move, just 
just two albums into your career. But of course, the, I think a lot of the members have had previous experience, and with with Butch Vig uh, on board, as who we mentioned before. Had, I thought you said Bucks Fizz then. <laughs> <laughs> they were on the next. <laughs> the Shirley Manson Ripper skirt off. Yeah, I think you know he's 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 got a lot of uh, credits to his name. So uh, they also looked after the art direction, if you was wondering. Not only musicians with a lot of experience, but also musicians who really know their music. They've picked up on those influences from the bands that they admire, like R.E.M. and Chemical Brothers and that kind of thing. But also, this track features little hints of uh, Push It, made famous by Salt and Pepper, and also Don't Worry Baby uh, by the Beach Boys. You couldn't have two more disparate um, musical um, genres and, and groups there. But, I don't think um, so, no. But... It's good to see garbage pulling them together, kicking and screaming. A real band's band, a real musician's musician. A real treat. A real treat. Uh, okay, so we're on to track eight now. guitar work in that one definitely I think probably you don't really get to appreciate the the sort of skill of uh, of the guitars throughout the album it's definitely there it's raucous it's, it's sort of fuzzy but to actually hear it more intricately like that is it's nice uh, a nice change I love the cohesive sound of this album and um, there's so many different layers to, to every single song even some of the lighter slower tracks like this one there's still, because you've got the synth beat, you've got the guitars there as well, and Shirley's almost haunting vocals in this one um, are pushed even further to the front because it is a little bit more stripped back. Yeah, definitely. I, I love how this is stripped back, but it's, it's not quite at the acoustic levels of, of medication, for example. It's still, as you said, very synthy and quite um, a much more atmospheric number, I suppose. Um, and something I remember reading about this track as we've been sort of researching up up to this episode is that it's one of the few tracks that's written about or for someone else with the other ones you've got I Think I'm Paranoid or When I Grow Up about you know Shirley talking of her own experiences but I think this was written for a, a friend who was struggling at the time if I'm not mistaken I believe so um, and hopefully the next track hasn't been written for the same friend um, because this is uh, track number nine <laughs> level a suggestion that there are several tracks that sound very similar what do you think yes because that was hammering in my head wasn't it no that was dumb <sighs> i love this album so i think the more the merrier in terms of the similar sound and the similar instruments that are used i also like i think the repetitiveness of the last minute of the song 
really give it an edge. Yeah, I really like that. I think it's sh- yeah showing a bit more of the the experimental side of the band. Um, but I do completely agree with you. It, even when it kicks off with that first again techno kind of sound, it is quite reminiscent of hammering in my head. If that is the one that you was gonna sort of uh... well that one and, and maybe a couple of others as well but i think i'm to be clear i'm not a critic of this album but if you were to level maybe some criticism you might suggest that there's some similar sounding songs but we're not critics not we're, for me to say. we're commentators aren't we we're commentators and we're, we're by no means qualified as critics well speak for yourself <laughs> i believe the next song is talking about that same friend once more yes it's when friends become lovers Twisted bedtime night chime melody thing. Yeah, definitely. I think with this one again, it's it's not the the sort of dance numbers that we've heard before, but it's still still an upbeat moment. I'm a big fan of how the band and a few of the tracks they are they've got they do a lot of stop start or they'll all of a sudden the track will come to a moment and it'll slow down. You have that doo doo. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it happens here. Looking back at how the band have talked about the album, either at the time or in the 20 years past, they mentioned how they want they wanted this album to uh, juxtapose the super hi-fi with the super organic. And I kind of think that track does this. Like you said, that kind of lullaby, yeah, fairy tale like sound with their with version with garbage version 2.0, which is that really hard hitting dance sound. Lovely couple of lines in the chorus. If we sleep together, will you like me better? Now, I'm not a social commentator in any way, but is that not how a lot of people think? Perhaps. You're not a social commentator. You're not a critic. <laughs> what am I? Why? Uh, there's a brilliant quote in relation to this song from Shirley Manson. Um, she says, I loathe the word sexy in a way. I think people misunderstand a lot of the references and they take it as being about sex or being sexy. The most simple example of that would be sleep together. That has very little to do with sleeping with somebody sexually. It's to do with how you relate to yourself and how people reflect themselves on others because they have no sense of who they are. So mm. some a real comment on self-worth there. Yeah. And I think throughout the years, Shirley Manson has become kind of a, a bit of a spokesperson, a bit of an, an, an advocate for uh, for feminists, actually. And there's a few, a few people I follow who very vocal about their appreciation for her down the street or online or women Twitter. mainly yeah <laughs> just and it's great to hear the meaning behind some of those songs because Shirley Manson actually wrote all of the lyrics for this album whereas in, with the previous album it was a mixture of the other band members as well let's move on track number 11 now we're nearly at the end of the album already um, and this is Wicked Ways to you now and 
Yes. What do you think if I said honky tonk? I would think wicked ways. <laughs> There's just something a little bit more folksy about that song in, in their own way, for me. A quite different approach. Yeah, I, I was definitely thinking a sort of a more of a country vibe, and I suppose honky tonk and country that would probably fall together. Yeah, it's a very different sound to the rest of the album. I suppose it it couldn't all be. I think I'm paranoid, and when I grew up, could it? Yeah, that would that wouldn't make those songs so special. And it's not to take anything away from this song, but yeah, it's a very different sound. And I imagine, not to be too disrespectful, but when they when they do play the album at Brixton. Oh, when they played the album at Brixton, potentially this was a moment to head to the bar. Uh, and for me, it's a great opportunity in this point in the podcast to talk about the iconic album artwork. It really is iconic, isn't it? You you could see that without the, the title or the band name on there and you'd know which album that was, I think. Uh, fantastic. And if you look at some of the single artwork as well, first of all, it's very of its time, but I just think it's so quintessentially garbage and does, again, throws you back to... I can remember seeing posters of those on bus stops and on the tube. Um, Would they ever had it in the pages of Top of the Pops and Smash Hits, do you think? Yeah, absolutely, all over that. Um, also, it's, it's funny now because it's actually back out again now, so you, you will see posters for the 20th anniversary edition of version 2.0 with the same artwork. I just sort of disconnected from Garbage and a lot of their music up until being reminded of their of their brilliant back catalogue with them coming back around again to celebrate the 20th anniversary of this album. It's a shame because I think they have... They, I think after this album, they sort of went their separate ways a little bit, didn't they? And then they have come back and there are a couple more releases out there. But um, yeah, I don't think they've quite hit the heights of, of version 2.0. So. Well, they're still going, but you're right. This was the pinnacle of kind of what they were all about for me. Very apt, actually, just saying that because this last track... You look so fine. Uh, it's a great example of that. You look so fine. I want to break your heart and give mine. You're taking me over. It's so Fine closing the album there. What's quite interesting is that this is the track that closed during that two year long tour of the album. This is the track that would either close the main set or um, or the encore, which I think is, I think probably I prefer it to close the main set. If I'm being Definitely honest. close the main set. It's lovely. This I think it's a great way to close the album. It's a little bit more downplayed, but that chorus, you know, where she strikes in with "I'm not like the other girls," I think it's just a brilliant. It's her, isn't it? It's just fantastic. It's a great song. Really good. I'm a big fan of this one. Um, in actual fact, perhaps before we were talking about how the slower moments weren't, potentially weren't the best moments of the album, this is definitely, I think, top three tracks of the album for me. This is, it's very powerful, isn't it? Yeah, it almost sounds like it could have been written for a film. We're at the end of the album. Already. But we've got some further listening tracks um, to share. And I think for Garbage, we... We're unlikely to return to them again, so we wanted to kind of reflect on what our favourite tracks are, standout tracks from their back catalogue, um, because, you know, maybe they didn't reach the heights of version 2.0 again, but there's some brilliant stuff in there. Dan, would you like to start us off? 
Absolutely, yes. So I am a huge James Bond fan. So my further listening for these is uh, The World Is Not Enough. I think it, it speaks a lot for the band. I think to, to I think to be offered a James Bond song is... Well, that's the, it's one of the big ones, isn't it's it? It's huge, isn't it? And if you look at the people who did it before them, um, of course, another Shirley with Shirley Bassey, Duran Duran, who we've covered previously uh-huh. on here. Aha, uh-huh, who I'm sure we'll cover at some point in the future. Paul McCartney and Wings, you know, huge names. But yeah, it's, it's a huge honour to, to do that. It's, a, it's an iconic British institution. Um, so for them to get that after version 2.0, I think, speaks very highly of, of what how people felt about garbage at the time. So this is my further listening track, The World Is Not Enough. making the song sound like you but also making it sound quintessentially like a Bond theme they've done it there definitely I think it's the the first time that I remember hearing garbage with really huge strings quintessentially a Bond theme it's, quint- it's quintessential yeah and that was written co-written and produced by David Arnold who has worked in a lot of Bond a stalwart of the Bond franchise, you might say. Absolutely. The, the new John Barry in some people's eyes. Um, quite literally, in fact. Um, but yeah, uh, are you a Bond-themed fan? Are you a Bond fan? I love a Bond. Yeah? Um, if I had to pick a favourite Bond theme, I'd have to get back to you on that one because I'm also thinking it could be a great Christmas special podcast idea. Oh, Wow. So let's leave it there. <laughs> let's leave that there. Wow. I would obviously pick this one, just in case Shirley's listening. Um, so which track from Garbage's six studio albums and various B-sides, remixes and other bits Rarities. and bobs are you going to pick for your further listening? Well, I'm jumping ahead to 2012 um, from the album Not Your Kind of People. It's the, it's the lead track on the album. Um, and although the album is, for me not my favourite and very patchy. There's an insanely catchy chorus in this song um, that I just keep coming back to. This is Automatic Systematic Habits. It's interesting to hear that because, as as we've already discussed, I'm I, you know I'm a very casual garbage listener. So coming in and listening to the whole of version two point was has been brand new. I'm kind of I really enjoyed it. I'm very intrigued to listen to what else they've got out there. So and it's nice to know that what ten years after they recorded version two point that's that that energy is still there. Um, and that's probably even more full on than most of the tracks on version two point as well. I love the hook in the chorus. Yeah, have you listened to the rest of that album as well? I have. It's not all for me, um, but I would definitely say 
battling me is worth listening to as well if you wanted to think of two tracks from that album. Even further, further listening. We're out of time. Oh, I listened to it on the way home. Yeah, so as you get your bag together, um, it's time <laughs> to say goodbye. What did you think? If you agree with us, if you disagree with us, please disagree with us if you do disagree. Um, if you're going to do it, do it on Twitter. At Move to Trash UK. Please do subscribe to Track by Track on Apple Podcasts. We've got a new episode coming for you every week. Next week, what can you say about next week's? Um, we're going to the disco. We are heavily in a pink leotard. Um, and I may have a few confessions to make next week as well, <laughs> whilst we're there. Um, to say any more would be spoiling it. So um, Until next time. I've been Shirley Manson. And I've been Marilyn Manson. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.